afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. And again, R&B Car Company are your used car experts. they got locations in South Bend and Warsaw. You can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. All right, so yesterday I shared with you one of my family's great embarrassments, uh, Cousin Anderson Cooper. Cousin Anderson Cooper had the lowest ratings of anybody ever in the history of Jeopardy. Yeah. And you know, you just know he had a conversation with people. He goes, well, at least I'm sure I'll beat Dr. Oz. (laughs) And he didn't beat Dr. Oz because Anderson Cooper sucks. So Anderson Cooper had the worst ratings in the history of Jeopardy. Now, One of the things you don't want to have happen, if you go on vacation and you're in the media business, is for your replacement to do better than you. They're they're supposed to be the people who fill in for you, that sort of thing. And uh, the idea is to have everybody want the host to come back, right? That's the whole goal. Well, imagine being the potato. Brian Stelter over at It's Not News at CNN. See, Brian Stelter runs the flagship conspiracy program on the Conspiracy News Network. And Brian Stelter took some time off. I assume he he went to go get vacation or whatever. I don't know. He he goes goes away. I assume on vacation. He goes away. Um, Somebody fills in for him, John Avalon. Okay. John Avalon fills in for Brian Stelter on Brian Stelter's show, and John Avalon's ratings were higher. <laughs> now, if you have been listening to this show at all, we have been steadily highlighting how bad ratings have been at CNN, particularly Brian Stelter's show. They're really bad. So, now, here's the thing. If CNN were an actual television network that cared about ratings and revenue and all of that stuff, he would have been fired a long time ago. So would Don Lemon. Uh, they probably keep Cuomo around because, for some reason, Cuomo outperforms everybody at the network. But um, there's a lot of folks at CNN who would have been fired if it wasn't purely an ideologically driven lineup. But because all Zucker is trying to do is push propaganda, push propaganda, push propaganda, uh, they let these folks still keep their jobs uh, and they pay them way too much money. So Brian Stelter goes on vacation. John Avalon fills in for Brian Stelter. And for the first time in a very long time, the ratings go up. (laughs) Uh, Now for the record, I just want this to be, you know, crystal clear. Um, I actually despise Brian Stelter. Brian Stelter is a terrible human being. Brian Stelter is an awful person. Brian Stelter deserves all of the bad things that happened to him directly. And it could not happen to a better candidate for him to lose his job because his his vacation fill-in host got better ratings. I don't know that that's actually going to happen, but if it were to happen, it would be one of the funniest things to have ever happened in cable news. And John Avalon, who I I don't know anything about, I didn't see any of the segments or anything like that, had a a much better ratings win than Brian Stelter, whose ratings have been in the toilet for a very long time, even through the Trump years, his ratings were not good. 
So this is via Fox. CNN struggling media program Reliable Sources with Brian Stelter, the most ironically named program on all of television, by the way, hit another low on Sunday with its smallest audience of 2021 as the liberal program has now failed to crack the 1 million viewer plateau for five consecutive weeks. Now, again, if you're under a million viewers on a cable news show, you're not doing great, especially with the time slot that he's in. Stelter's program averaged only 810,000 total viewers and a dismal 163,000 among the key demographic of adults aged 25 to 54 on May 2nd for its worst performance of the year in both categories. To make matters worse for Stelter, his own show performed better last week when replacement host John Avlon filled in. The Avalon-hosted edition of Reliable Sources on April 25th averaged 907,000 people for nearly a 100,000 viewer increase over Stelter's return. Now, let me just, again, I, I realize that most of you kind of understand what's going on, but this is so juicy, I just have to break this down. The host of the show goes on vacation, and the fill-in host draws almost 100,000 more people And when the host comes back from vacation, where everybody's supposed to be like, oh, man, we're ready for him to come back. Yeah, okay, cool. He's going to be rested. He's going to be relaxed. He's going to be all of this. And he lost 100,000 viewers from his fill-in. That's not good. Now, in my world, (laughs) in most people's world who who work in media as talent uh this would have resulted in a firing whereas avalon would have taken over the show i mean there wouldn't have been auditions or anything i mean like well avalon did a much better job than brian stelter who's been sliding in ratings for years uh why not we're just we're bleeding at this point with with brian stelter his programming is terrible He's perpetually wrong, demonstrably so. Uh, why not have somebody else take over the program and give it a shot? I, this is this is like one of those things where to use a, a, a tired sports analogy. So you've got a you've got a quarterback, okay, who is your starting quarterback, but your team is just not putting up any points. You just can't win. You've got this, you know, other person on the bench who you know doesn't have maybe the experience, but apparently has some talent and. You just you're not really sure what to do, and eventually it gets to the point where we're not doing anything with our starting guy, so we might as well put the other guy in and see what happens. And then you bring the other guy off of the bench, and you bench your starting quarterback, and that's how these quarterback controversies start and everything else. Uh, the fact that your vacation fill-in host is drawing a hundred thousand more people a night to your program, and instead of them staying to watch you when you return and see if you can keep doing what the fill-in host is doing. Or maybe, perhaps, it's just the news cycle and people are tuned in because of the news cycle or whatever. So, you know, instead of you coming back and keeping that 100,000 or maybe even adding to it because people are excited you're back, you lose 100,000 viewers like that simply because you came back from vacation, which means people were excited that Brian Stelter was not on his own show anymore and they didn't care who filled in for him. And more people watched the show, and they did so when the fill-in host was there. And the moment they knew that Brian Stelter was coming back, they turned it off again because they did not want to listen to his human thumb-shaped head. I, as I've said before, 
this could not happen to a better person. And I sincerely mean that. There's a lot of people in media who suck. I mean, a lot of people who suck. But Brian Stelter's at the very top of that list. He is an awful, awful person. Everybody I know who knows him hates his guts. (laughs) Everybody. So this could not have happened to a better guy. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Well, I thought that I had some of you fooled. I really, truly did. Thought that I had some of you fooled, but apparently I didn't. Somebody called me out on it yesterday. There is a letter-writing campaign to get me fired right now. It is a letter-writing campaign of one, but it is still a letter-writing campaign. So this is uh, this is the letter to get me fired that, that ended up getting sent to the station yesterday. Time for your three to six time slot to be filled by a different person that will not talk bad about the community. The person you have for that slot needs to go and go now. People do not like him. Uh, besides the obvious grammatical problems with this particular letter, <clears throat> um, which you can see if you're watching the live stream at trovo.live uh, slash Casey the host right now. <laughs> see, here's, here's, the, here's the thing. I defended the community yesterday from two different school districts who had attacked the community. That's what... That's what's so funny about this. <clears throat> here's what's here's what's probably happening. The individual who clearly has no idea who I am because they don't listen to the radio station. Um, this individual probably didn't even hear the segment. I, I would bet money they did not hear the segment. I, I would I would actually venture to risk the safety of my board op Josh that they did not hear the segment. And somebody just told them something, and they said, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. So they put their mint julep down, and they sent off a nice little letter on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> not that anything is wrong with a mint julep. They just taste horrible. So <laughs> this, I literally defended the community yesterday. I literally defended the community. South Bend School Corporation basically said anybody who's upset about their property taxes going up is an idiot because we we tried to explain it in as simple terms as, as we could. If you couldn't understand, you're too stupid. Sorry. And then the superintendent for Elkhart Community Schools attacked parents and attacked the community because they didn't vote for the referendum. And I defended the community in both cases. <laughs> so... <laughs> is it oh somebody's asking if this is pete Buttigieg who sent the uh who sent the letter well i don't know i mean he is a Rhodes scholar so the grammatical errors are perfectly fitting to be perfectly honest with you but um (laughs) so ladies and gentlemen please stop not liking me okay i can't i can't stand people not liking me so please start liking me so that so I can have some fans. <laughs> I still have COVID. I'm not supposed to laugh this hard. I think the funniest part is the person you have for that slot needs to go and go now. People do not like him. 
It's so sad because so many more people like me than this person. And yet they feel that enough people don't like me that I should go away. So what does that mean about them? Do they have no no self-value, no self-worth? It's just, I find that to be sad and depressing personally. But that's just, that's just me. I'm a compassionate person who cares about this community, and apparently they don't. So, <laughs> uh, no, I, that's, it, that's just it. People on the live stream are like, they don't even know your name. I know. Is that they don't listen to the station. They don't know anything about me. How long have I been here? Over 10 years? Over 10 years just dominating this uh, this time slot? And <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> but like I said, somebody somebody said something to them. And they're like, I'm going to put my mint julep down and give them a piece of my mind. And that's what happened. They gave us a piece of their mind. All right, speaking of other idiots, the FBI. Uh, FBI executed a search warrant uh, against those people in Alaska and their business. So it was their house and their business that they executed the search warrant at. Uh, Remember, they're the ones that said, uh, we're here for Nancy's laptop. We We were told you had Nancy's laptop and that Nancy's laptop didn't get snatched like was initially reported. But apparently it did get snatched, and apparently they're really concerned about what is on Nancy's laptop. So anyway, uh, the full warrant has been released, and the warrant was executed. Now, we went over this a little bit previously. There is zero evidence that would qualify or justify a warrant in this situation to go raid their house in Alaska. Zero the, these people were not in the White House, or not the White House, but the Capitol building. They did not enter the Capitol building. They were not a part of what happened on June 6th inside the Capitol building. And with the fisticuffs with uh, law enforcement and security there, they were not a part of any of that. They were there at the event as there was over 100,000 people who were there. There is a whole bunch of people who were there who never went inside the Capitol. There was a few dozen people who went inside the Capitol. A lot of those people, again, BLM and Antifa activists, we have them on camera. We know who broke windows. We know who instigated riots. They're not being charged at all. And yet the FBI is traipsing all the way across the globe in order to kick in people's doors in the middle of the night asking for Nancy Pelosi's laptop with absolutely no evidence. So one of the questions that we had based on the initial reports of this thing, which are, you know, how is it that the FBI even arrived to the conclusion that they need to kick these people's door in and that they needed to go to their business and investigate their business and everything else. Well, we now know because all of the information has been released. Well, if you look at it, so there is 38 pages. Okay, this is 38 pages in the FBI document here. And for those of you who are watching on Trovo, uh, you will see it. So you get uh, 38 pages. And you can go, and I think it's page 16 is where you actually start getting the reasons. So the first, you know, first 15 pages, yeah, page 16. The first 15 pages of this is rehashing the timeline of events that happened at the Capitol on January 6th. So on page 16, you actually get to the story. So what ended up happening is this couple leaves Washington, D.C. They get on Alaska Airlines flight. 
they get into an altercation with a flight steward, male flight steward, and they were flagged as being problematic passengers because they wouldn't wear their masks. That flight steward then hopped on the FBI's website and started going through pictures of people that the FBI wanted in order to uh, you know have for questioning and things like that. And they thought they thought that the woman matched the description of one of the individuals in a picture, and the flight steward contacted the FBI. So the FBI went to Alaska, kicked in their house, kicked in their business, and and interrogated them for hours. Okay, without giving them the the proper information that they're required to give. They did that because a flight steward was butthurt. Welcome to America 2021. Got more coming up. 95.3 MNC. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. I want to thank R&B Car Company. Locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. A disabled Wisconsin dairy farmer is suing Biden over the COVID-19 loan forgiveness program, alleging that it is racist because whites are not eligible. It is, of course, racist. Uh, Adam Faust, a white resident of Chilton, who has two prosthetic legs is among five Midwestern farmers who recently filed a lawsuit in Green Bay that accuses the federal government of violating their constitutional rights. This is all uh, in the New York Post. Were plaintiffs eligible for the loan forgiveness benefit, they would have the opportunity to make additional investments in their property, expand their farms, purchase equipment and supplies, and otherwise support their families and local communities, according to the lawsuit. Because plaintiffs are ineligible to even apply for the program solely due to their race, they have been denied the equal protection of the law and therefore suffered harm, it says. Now, Faust is the owner of Faust Farms. He told the news outlet, local news outlet over there, uh, that the program is out and out racist. It was just out and out racist, and I really don't think that there should be racism allowed in the federal government at any level, he said. Uh, and he's right. <clears throat> Look, he, point point blank, he's right. And we've kind of talked about this before, where you have these you know weird radical leftists out there who just assume that you know as as long as whites are the target, then it's not racism. Well, the law says you can't discriminate based on race. It doesn't say except white people. Now that would be immoral, but you know maybe the law would be in place. But that's not what it says. So you can't discriminate based upon race. You can't do it. This whole program is is racist. Also, the amount of money that is being given to black farmers, considering how many black farmers there are, is also ridiculous. But I digress. If somebody's green, I think they should be allowed to participate based on their actual qualifications for the program and not just picking an arbitrary thing like race. Yeah, that's pretty much what Dr. King would have said. The American Rescue Plan provides $4 billion to forgive loans for socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers, according to the lawsuit, which alleges that socially disadvantaged are only those who are black, American Indian, Hispanic, Alaska Native, Asian American, or Pacific Islander, according to WLUK. Um, and he's white, but he's a double amputee, too. So, you know, this is a, this is a guy who's obviously got some issues um, physically, which may impede his ability to do his work, which may very well qualify him for this program if it were not for the color of his skin. I don't see where they're going to be impacted any different than anybody else, he said. 
Uh, so he has spina bifida. That's what he's got. I've never seen any government program based solely on that. I mean, if it would have been anything, if if it would have been against any other race, everybody would have been on board and would have been complaining immediately. 100%. Look, he's right. Man's 100% correct. There's no getting around it. You know, but this uh, this weird notion that has shown up on, you know, college universities that you can't be racist if you're not white. Only white people are racist. And white people cannot be oppressed. It can't happen, which is obviously obscene. You know, something else that's not getting covered too. Let's just let's just bring this up. Because again, I never say anything controversial. Everything I say is pretty even keeled and doesn't irritate anybody, doesn't uh, cause people in, in mint julep fits to go ahead and write strongly worded, poorly punctuated letters to my station to try and get me fired. Um, if you <clears throat> look at the news over the past couple of days with regards to Asian hate crimes, we have an Asian father who was pushing his one-year-old in a stroller who was attacked from behind and physically assaulted. His attacker, not white. Uh, You've got two Asian women who are trying to close up their store when a man came in and started beating them over the head with a cinder block brick. He wasn't white either. In New York, you've got an Asian woman who was attacked from behind by another attacker. And again, these are just the past two days. Was attacked from behind by another attacker and beaten. Um, The attacker wasn't white. So, again, where's the news media who has been pushing an increase in hate crimes against Asian Americans? Where is the news media highlighting who the attackers actually are? Where is that? And once again, they're happening in liberal cities. New York, San Francisco. I forget what the third one was. But one was in New York City. One was in San Francisco. You know, in the case of the dad who was attacked from behind, he's just pushing his kid with a stroller and he got attacked from behind. And the stroller continued to roll. What if that stroller rolled into the street and a car had hit that kid? Every single one of their attackers, every single one of them, not white. I'll let you read between the lines, but they weren't white. Now, why is it that every time we have a string of these attacks, there's no news coverage of it? Because again, the narrative, the narrative is wrong. It's not worthy of reporting, not worthy of reporting if the victim is white or if the assailant is not white. And this is another example of it. There is institutional discrimination against men in this country and there is institutional discrimination against whites in this country, period. There is institutional racism, it just doesn't go the way that people want it, want it to go. Now, aside from that, in the black community in particular, if you want to argue for institutional racism, I think it exists in the social welfare state. 100%. But it comes also 100% from one political party. There is an institutional component to ensuring that large swaths of black America in particular are kept on food stamps, are kept on welfare, and are kept out of the workforce. And also, there is a a clear and concerted effort to delegitimize getting an education in the black community. And it's something that a lot of whites feel very uncomfortable talking about, but blacks talk about quite regularly. 
getting an education is frowned upon, it's attacked. Um, and then what we have, you know, all of these years that we've been talking about this, uh, we've got higher educational institutions, university level professors out there telling you math is racist, uh, English literature is racist, grammar is racist, being on time is racist, science is racist, etc., 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 etc. And because of all of that, what are you doing? You're reinforcing institutionally, you're reinforcing this notion that if you get an education, which gives you the opportunity to get out of your circumstances, to change your circumstances, which in the United States of America, we are the uh, the unique bastion in this world where you can do that, where upper mobility is actually pretty easy. But at an institutional level, I do agree with you. In the social welfare state, there is 100% a concerted effort to keep particularly black Americans down. But everywhere else, everywhere else, the demonstrable fact of institutional racism is targeted towards one group of people, and that those are whites. Period. More coming up. Newsog 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Well, Mooresville, Indiana, has just declared itself a sanctuary city for the First and the Second Amendment, according to Wish TV. So, Mooresville, Indiana. Uh, which I guess is uh, not too far away from Indianapolis. So good for them. Good for them. South Carolina State House has voted to add firing squads to the list of approved ex- uh, I almost said education execution methods in the state. South Carolina State House on Wednesday voted to add the firing squad to the list of execution methods in the state. The legislation, which was approved by a vote of 66 to 43 will mandate that death row inmates select either firing squad or electrocution in the event that lethal drugs are not available at the time of their scheduled execution. I don't know why I keep wanting to say education. Uh, The Senate approved much the same bill in March by a vote of 32 to 11, which means the bill will likely soon go to the governor who has already said that he plans to sign it. Now, this is in South Carolina. Uh, I read an article, I think it was yesterday, that Ohio is considering this too. And I here's the thing. For many, many years, I have said we probably need to have firing squads because firing squads seem like they are, you know, more cost effective. Uh, every time you hear about the cost of electrocuting somebody or something like that, first thing that I think of is just use solar power. Everything will be fine. Solar power should be able to fry a human being. Everything will be good. Then it's green, right? You get to have the whole green energy thing. Uh, Colorado even allows you to compost human beings now. So you could use solar power to execute somebody, and then you could compost the inmate's body and grow fruits and veggies that way and then feed the other inmates. See? I mean, if, if you really want sustainable, this is the path forward. But the other thing that I have to maybe change my position on this, have you seen the cost of ammo? This seems like the exact wrong time to be switching to firing squads. Because it, it, ammo is pricey, and it's really hard to come by. Um, so, Although I have been seeing a lot of people getting their hands on some Hornaday here lately, so that's <laughs> good for you. Yeah. Uh, but 
the cost of ammo. So all of a sudden we go from, what is it? Cost of electrocution. I think they say it's like, what, 10 grand, something like that. So now firing squad could very well be an eleven dollars or $12,000 investment <laughs> based on the price of ammo. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know what you should get? Get one of those can launchers. Those are the uh, the fake 203 grenade launchers that launch soda cans. Get a bunch of those and just launch a bunch of Coke or Pepsi cans at them. Uh, I, I don't know. Do you want to use Coke? Coke is trying to go super woke. So I don't know if you want to use Coke when you execute prisoners. Uh, but, you know, Pepsi Pepsi makes a fine can. They don't make a fine soda, but they make a fine can. So you could probably just use a, a Pepsi can. or Better yet, um, get one of the store brands. What are some of the store brand sodas out there? And use the can launchers there. So you got, what, 10 guys with a can launcher, and they, they shoot the cans at your head. I mean, it's kind of like a stoning, right? I, I would assume it would be effective. It, it may not be all that pretty. But I assume that it would be effective. Or, you know, you could just you go back to, to doing solar power uh, to power the electrical chair. So it's, they're trying to get away from the electrical chair anyway. But now, of course, lethal injection is all inhumane all of a sudden. And you can't inject people with anything. And it's, it's, I, don't, I don't know why they don't just inject everybody with Roundup. It, it, then, of course, the complaints are that Roundup is going to give them cancer posthumously. And, and that would be bad. But... I don't know. Everybody's trying to sell you that Roundup is going to kill it. Roundup is totally not going to kill you, by the way. That's the case against Roundup is a total and complete farce. I've already been over this. Um, but, you know, it's worth a shot. I assume that wouldn't be very healthy if you injected it. But there's some various options I think we could look at. But uh, Firing Squad, I've always been pro. But, yeah, I don't know. Cost of ammo. I think this might be a pricey option. Probably not the best time to move to a firing squad scenario. South Carolina and then potentially Ohio doing that.